Are you sheltering in place, isolated, feeling alone? <coughs> well, then you're just like us. Hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the quarantined hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Shut-In, the Soundcast stimulus package featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And now, here's your host for this episode, Tyson Saner. Saluton. It's just me, Tyson Saner. Welcome to the soundcast known as Succotash Shut-In. It's episode 232, and I've got some clips for you from three soundcasts I've been listening to recently. Namely, Sam Pancake Presents the Monday Afternoon Movie, Puppet Tears, Puppetry Shop Talk, and Good For You. There's also going to be a reading from TrumpPoetry.com and probably a spot from our other original fake sponsor, Henderson's Pants. By the way, episode 231 featured bloopers from five soundcasts which were Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, A Paranormal Chicks, Roll Out, Who Back When, and Voyage to the Stars. It was a very entertaining episode hosted by Mark Hershon, with whom I alternate hosting duties with weekly. You can find it in the same place you found this soundcast or any of the other options available for soundcast listening, including, but not limited to, Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the Laughable app, etc., There's also the website at www.succotashshow.com and at succotashlibsyn.com, where you can find all the shows dating back to 2011. It's early December of 2020, a year that has been possibly the worst year in recent memory since, like, 2016? That was pretty bad. 2014 wasn't great either, come to think of it. 2012, everybody was talking about the end of the world. Remember that? Actually, I remember 2012 having some bright spots. It's the year I met Ethan Duttenmeyer of Combat Radio, and as a result, I met many other guests of Combat Radio, including Mark Hershon, who was at that time the host of a show called Succotash, the Comedy Podcast Podcast, which is what became Succotash, the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast, and then eventually Succotash Shut-In, which you are listening to now. I also met Dean Hagland and Phil Larness of Chillpack Hollywood Hour, of whom this program has featured clips, and with whom this show and many of its contributors have collaborated with over the years. In fact, I took part in a 28-hour Mayan marathon that Chilpak Hollywood Hour held live on the internet, counting down the hours until the impending apocalypse. I remember taking photos in real time as a way to commemorate the occasion. If there was, in fact, a world after said apocalypse, where my iPad 2 had both survived intact, but also had a charge. That was a really good time. 2012 was also the year I met Hunter Block on Twitter. We became friends... And, as of October of 2016, co-hosts of a soundcast called Anti-Social Show, which is still releasing episodes as time moves steadily on. So, there are a couple of bright spots from 2012 and 2016. I guess what I'm getting at is that all years have their bright spots in some way or another for someone or another, and it is important to remember that when things get really dark. In 2020, I got to spend most of my time with a special little guy named Jareth as he entered his toddler stage. I consider these recent memories to be of truly the happiest moments I have ever had in this life that I've had so far. I don't think I could be more grateful for these bright spots than I am. But I can always try. Anyway, thank you for listening. On with the show. First up tonight, Sam Pancake presents the Monday Afternoon Movie from Table Cakes Productions. 
Its description says, actor and comedian Sam Pancake sits down with friends, famous and funny, to discuss the surreal, silly, and nonetheless star-studded made-for-TV movies of the 1970s. It's a loving look at baffling, not-quite-feature-length flicks that often aren't on DVD and have largely been lost to time. The clip I've chosen is from a show from November 2nd, 2020, featuring The Night Stalker, with guest Dave Holmes. The show's description says, Celebrate Halloween two days late, not with the TV series called Jack the Night Stalker, but the 1972 TV movie that first introduced Darren McGavin as Carl Kolchak. It influenced generations of subsequent paranormal-themed TV shows, but does it hold up today? Not so much, says special guest Dave Holmes, who objects to this take on vampire horror being so decidedly unsexy and overstuffed with middle-aged white dudes. So this is this also Barry, a man plays named Barry Atwater, who could not be more benign looking somehow in a really bad, like bangs toupee, plays Jano Sarkany, the vampire in this. May I just say. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> that this, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but That's I just, fine. here's no. my major problem please. with this film, <laughs> is that as we have said, it is just one giant pumpkin face after another. One yes. swollen, distended, 50-year-old white guy face yes. on a body that has, has you know, would smoke a cigarette while jogging if he jogged. But I don't even think we had invented jogging yet. Just like, just a C. Cigar going somewhere too, along with a cigarette, yeah. Yeah, just a sea of mediocre, white, sexless, middle-aged faces. And then, so immediately it's like, oh, there's this person and she's been murdered and she was drained of blood. And so like in my head, I was like vampire, like four seconds in, I think it was a vampire. And then, and then it's like the big reveal at the end of what we could call act one is like, yeah. it's a vampire. And then it's like, and then they show the vampire 20 minutes after that. And it's like, it's another fucking pumpkin head white guy. It is. It's another utterly unsexy. Yeah. You completely like there's they, in the seventies, they knew like Frank Langella, Dracula, the feature film, 78, so hot. Christopher Lee. Oh my God. It is so beautiful. Did I work with him later? He did. He play my boss. Was it not great? Yes. He's a, he's a piece of work. As you can imagine. Oh, I'm dying to read that uh, memoir. And I can't oh, believe no. I haven't done oh, it. Oh, Dave, speaking of treat yourself, he, also he's in the box. I think he's the man. He is. Anyway, he, that book, it's called Dropping Names, I think. Mm-hmm. You know how, you know, not to, they usually don't speak ill of the dead. He is not afraid to. It's Oh, he won't. Yeah. And I'm giving away no secrets. He goes through, and I, if you like Anne Bancroft, you might change your mind. He just... His dear friend, Anne Bancroft, he goes, it's such, some of it's just character assassination. Like Jackie Kennedy, who comes for Jackie Kennedy? Like, it's just some of the stories. And I listened to the book on tape because it's his sonorous voice. Yeah. First of all, not to make, frankly, Angela, not in the, even the movie, but who cares? It's a Halloween special. And this is in the book. I'm not giving anything away. And Frank just like, first of all, supposedly he's by or so I've heard, but he is very kind of in the book, very flirty and cutesy about things. And some of the people and the men he talks about, you're like, was something else going on? It's yeah. definitely a good read and a good listen. And I think 
there's supposed to be a part two after more people he knew dies or something like that was the plan. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm okay. Frank Langella in that Dracula movie. Yes. Which I couldn't see because it was too scary and I was eight or whatever, but just knowing that it existed, seeing the poster when I would be at the movie theater and then like looking at the novelization of the movie, (laughs) which I think itself was a movification of a book, whatever. So uh, between that and Michael Newry in a show called Cliffhangers on NBC. Do you remember Cliffhangers? Yes, I do. And I remember Michael Newry. Yes. Yes. So Cliffhangers was, it was like an anthology show and each episode had three different stories, right? There was one with like a, that was like a Brenda Starr kind of a deal where it was like a, a plucky young blonde reporter woman. Okay. And, and then I don't remember what the other one was, but then the third one was Michael Nouri as a vampire. Right. And, and so, and in both of these iterations of Dracula, his whole thing was he would come at you with his, fucking blinding sex appeal right yeah and and you would just be powerless you'd be stuck there and then he would bite your neck and then you would be like under his control like it was a mind control kind of a thing i feel like in both of them yeah and and that to me as an eight-year-old was so hot and i don't i don't know why but that is between those two things which came out at roughly the same time with roughly the same actor i was like I am turned on for the first, I have an erection for the first time. I don't know what it is. I don't know why that part of me changed shape and form, but like this, I'm into this. You can find Sam Pancake and Dave Holmes on Twitter. And the show's official website is mondayafternoonmovie.com, which quickly is M-O-N-D-A-Y-A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-M-O-V-I-E.com. The show is also on Facebook. There's also Spotify and Google Play. Next up, Puppeteers, Puppetry Shop Talk, from Adam Crudinger and Cameron Garrity. This features in-depth interviews with the world's most passionate puppeteers. I've chosen a clip from an episode from March 27, 2019. It's episode 19 with Ryan Dillon. Its description says, Ryan Dillon stops by the show this week for a jam-packed episode of Puppeteers. Ryan is a Muppet performer on Sesame Street, best known for performing Elmo since 2013. Alongside Mark Gale, he is also the creator of the Dylan Gale Idiots, his original cast of surreal television puppets. We'll talk with Ryan about his beginnings as a tireless Muppet Show fan, beginning his career as a Sesame Street puppeteer at the age of 17, and the responsibility of taking over such an important legacy character. Don't miss this in-depth conversation about following your artistic passions and creating new work every day. Now, um, <laughs> obviously, uh, uh, it's probably a lightning strike moment for you was taking over for Elmo. Um, how how does something like that change your life? I mean, because it's, it's not the equivalent of what Kevin may be experienced of having Richard Hunt throw you Elmo in the, the, the Muppet room of this nothing yeah. character. You were... Th- thrown it uh in your lap and it's the biggest character in the world um how how does that change your life (laughs) um that's a great question that i don't have an answer for no i think probably it it's really hard to say because it there certainly there are things that are afforded to you 
because of the work that you wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to do. Um, and I'm very aware of that. And that is something I'm very grateful for. Um, it's challenging. It's, it's, but it's, it's such a gift to be able to do. Uh, I take it very seriously. It's, 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 I feel, I felt the responsibility certainly at the time. Uh, it was terrifying in the moment because I didn't actually think I was going to get it. Um, and it wasn't like there was a big open call. You know, it definitely was something that Sesame felt very strongly about keeping in the family and making sure that it was somebody who really knew the character and the, and, and the, and the crew, you know, that character is so important to the show that it was important that it be a family member to take over. And I was the newest of those family members of the immediate family, you know? And so, um, it was, it was challenging, but uh, you know, it was, it's funny because there were a few times previous to that, that I had had experience with the puppet, you know, sometimes if Kevin was directing, um, and he couldn't, if he was too busy working on the shot, uh, he would, uh, he would say, here, put the puppet on and just do it for the shot and I'll do the voice and you can lip sync. And that happened a number of times. It happened once on a live hit we were doing at Good Morning America or the Today Show or one of these things. I was brought in just to, I think I was just brought in to hold up Bert or something while Eric was doing another character. But usually when the Muppets take over those morning shows, there's always like the Muppets in the control room and, you know, chickens are everywhere and, you know, so we were doing that kind of thing and we were in a dressing room and everybody's, you know, doing, Rosita's doing Abby's hair and stuff like that. And almost just swinging in a chair. And um, he said, uh, put the puppet on. Uh, and it was a live hit. I was like, what? Why? He goes, put the, put the puppet on. I was like, okay. He's <laughs> like, so put the puppet on. He goes, okay, I'll laugh. So just open the mouth when I laugh. I was like, you sure you don't want to do this? In five, four, three, two. And I was just doing it. And so I, it was terrifying, but you know, I was able to do it without any, but without him hating it. And so I was, I was lucky in the sense that I'd had some opportunities with that puppet previously, maybe not as much as other performers. You know, it wasn't necessarily going to be handed to me. I know that I was on a short list of people that Kevin wanted to make sure were seen, but it wasn't necessarily going to be the case that I, no one was looking at Ryan to do this. So, uh, when I got it, it was a very weird feeling because I, I immediately felt, Oh, don't screw this up, Ryan. You really have to, this is, you really take this seriously. Um, and those first, first year or two were rough because it, it is a lot, it's, um, you know, it's something that's part of my daily life now, but in the beginning, you're the first one on set and you're the last one to leave and you're on set all day. Cause Elmo's in every show. And even if he's not the main character of every show, he's going to be in most shows. So just having that sort of, um, uh, stamina was, was a big learning curve, all those kind of things. It's different than when you're sort of right handing or doing backup, you can kind of go and take breaks and hang out and stuff like that. And, and, and when you're playing a main character, you really have to commit all day to that. Um, I've learned to love that. Um, and, uh, what it afforded me too was, was a relationship with the crew. You know, they're, they're like my extended family. I, I see them all the time when we're working and, you know, it's just so great to have that support system. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it does take you, especially as a puppeteer, it's another world. You know, we're used to sort of, um, most puppeteers are, used to being supporting players, not some, maybe not necessarily by choice, but it is what it is. You know, there's, there's a, there's not a lot of puppet work. And, and um, so I kind of was, I was content really to do that. I, I, I don't really, I didn't have aspirations of 
necessarily taking anything over also because I had my own side work. And I think that's something that's really important. Just having your own thing because, um, I love playing Elmo. It's, it's, it's such a joy and, and, and being with kids and, and, and sharing experiences with fans is just so cool. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also really nice to have something you can call your own. Um, Certainly, there are, uh, you know, there's a big responsibility with Elmo, um, making sure that we're keeping the legacy going. Um, it's a, it's a tough thing, but, um, there, I'm also honored to do that. You know, it's to, I sometimes pinch myself thinking that, you know, you're, 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 you're helping keep the show going. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. So the show is on Twitter at Puppeteers Pod. That is P U P P E T, capital T E A R S, and then capital P O D. You can use that to also find their Patreon. And I figured out since clipping this and not realizing this at all when I selected this soundcast some time ago, that one of the hosts, Adam Krudinger, is actually somebody whose YouTube series on how to build a puppet I actually knew of and followed, gosh, I don't know, it feels like two or three years ago now. I have a partially built puppet based on his tutorials, and I didn't really... Uh, uh, I didn't really put those two things together when I when I selected this clip because I was mostly just looking for um, I wanted to find an interview with Ryan Dillon because I was curious what it was like for a person to take over Elmo, such an iconic character. Anyway, you can also go to www.puppeteers.com. That is the word puppet and the word tears mushed together. Season's greetings, friends, from me, Bill Haywatt, and everyone at Henderson's Pads. Now, although this is supposed to be the happiest time of the year, it's also a time for frayed nerves, temper tantrums, and road rage. And now there's all this brouhaha about what to even call the events around the winter solstice. Well, far be it from Henderson's Pants to ruffle any feathers so you won't be hearing us uttering the C-word anytime soon, which is why Henderson's is introducing their holiday pants just in time for this festive season. Intentionally non-denominational, Henderson's holiday pants are just what the discriminating celebrant is wearing this year. Perfect for office parties, family get-togethers, or late-night shopping sprees, these snappy trousers are designed to honor every persuasion of winter celebration. How can one pair of pants do all of that, you might ask? Simple, we might answer. Because these holiday pants are made by a special group of Amish craftsmen in a barn covered with hex signs in the middle of Pennsylvania Dutch country. They weave the sturdy cotton twill fabric themselves before stitching each pair together by hand. These humble tailors have no holiday celebration, no electricity, and no alcohol. They literally live for the opportunity to craft each and every pair of Henderson's holiday pants. And they don't care if it's Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or that holiday around the god baby with the decorated pine tree and the name that makes some people so very angry. Originally designed for Ebenezer Scrooge, Hermie the Elf, and the Grinch that stole Christmas. Henderson's holiday pants are available wherever there's a dude dressed like Santa outside, ringing a bell and begging for your spare change. Happy holidays from Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1 AD. And now back to Suckatash. 
This episode of Succotash is sponsored in part by TrumPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry.com. Yes, TrumpPoetry.com. So I've picked one here tonight from December 3rd, 2020, and it's number 48, which is 48 days left until the inauguration. And I've discovered that these poems have titles. I don't know that all of them do, but I'm assuming it's possible that they do. This one is called The Cost of Lost. Now pardoned and just oozing gratitude... A general calls out for martial law. Redo the vote for its corrupted flaw. Oh, please, may this pathetic mess conclude. His lawyer rails on to stop the steal with wild claims devoid of evidence and filings biblical with little sense. A pause to wonder, is this bitch for real? And what a time for William Barr to fail, betraying Trump by finding zero fraud. For one so loyal, this is very odd. Perhaps a Biden check is in the mail. Our nation pays a very heavy cost, because this loser can't accept he lost. Right? Right. Finally, tonight, good for you, from the Paragon Collective, and comedian Whitney Cummings, who, according to the description, interviews guests, who are friends, comic celebs, experts, weirdos, every week, known for her stand-up comedy specials for HBO and Netflix, Comedy Central roasts, multiple television series and films, Whitney has a lot of questions, for a lot of different kinds of people. She also has opinions, and a robot. Subscribe to hear interviews that are always interesting and never too long. Okay? clip I've selected is from the show from November 19th, 2020. It's number 57, and its guest is Megan Trainer. It's a very short description of the episode, says Whitney and Megan say a bunch of stuff they shouldn't have and FaceTime a celebrity. In this clip... Whitney and Megan try to remember Millie Vanilli and what happened to them with results of varying accuracy. Let me ask you a question. When you go to stay at hotels, do you have a pseudonym? Am I pronouncing it right? A fake name, an alias? Yes, it was um, Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) (laughs) For like, still my whole career, still. Come find me, Lizzie McGuire. Shot. I told her that as soon as I met her. Shot. Let the rain fall down. You don't know that. And wake my dreams. I mean, it's let it wash away. Gonna fall whether my you want it to or not. Oh. No, my shit was best music video. Blame it ever. on the rain. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so keep going. Hold on. <laughs> Do you guys not know about Millie Vanilli? Oh, right. You didn't know about the person you just called. Yeah, you, you're friends with you, this girl and you didn't know her biggest you smash. You need to know your place. <laughs> you don't have a microphone. You're just going to say that. Um, You don't know who Millie Vanilli is? I know that name. Oh, my God. Okay, so you you think we... Megan Trainer, pop star, famous, successful... Music. But doesn't know who Millie Vanilli is, so... Is that the one? Millie Vanilli was a uh, a boy band when I... Was, were they the ones that weren't actually singing? In the 80s. I'm sorry? Were they the ones that got caught not actually singing? Yes. I know them. 
we're friends. <laughs> you like how you were caught not actually knowing I was like, who Millie Vanilli is? It was them, right? Dude, Millie Vanilli was, like, before... I'm trying to think. They lip synced publicly somewhere. It was like the. It was almost like the first cancellation. Yeah, it was. It was. Don't you think? It was an excellent like, one. That actually might be the first time someone got canceled. But then lip syncing became really cool right after that. I know. <laughs> so. No, the fact that Millie Vanilli got canceled for lip syncing yeah. and then lip sync battle and like, TikTok happened. They were just alive at the wrong time. They were, but also they didn't even like sing their songs. But That's the problem. What, say right? that again. Say that again. I think they didn't even sing those But say songs. it in a different way. It's something that doesn't understand music. Connected. Okay. I think another human being performed those songs and they were the face and said, these are our songs. When like Britney Spears records her vocal most of the time and then goes out and lip syncs to herself. Uh-huh. So they were lip syncing to strangers. They were puppets. They were puppets. Of a marionette, and that's what we were all like. No, no, no. Imagine cancel. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to see the movie about the guy that really sang. That's what I was like. You probably love that man. That because that and you gotta find like, him. Someone was like, "You're too ugly." You should bring him on here and be like, "What was it like for you? Were no, you a monster?" I, I'm a vi- come now. I come now. <laughs> we need to know what your life was like. But think about it, because so I'd be pissed. So that's how the music industry used to be. It was like you have a great voice, you're pretty, so yes. you're gonna sing and you're gonna pretend to sing this person's yes, song. Yes, it's still devilish, but it's Wild! like it's now you're, they're like you can look exactly how you are, kind of, you know. <laughs> Cape God. Hold on. Don't, no, okay. don't, 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 don't. Don't you dare try to. Are we going to do mini, 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 vanilli? Millie vanilli, but this, blame it on the rain. I raise you one, let the rain fall down by Hillary Duff. Dude. It's, it's. I know. I'm like. The Millie vanilli shit, dude. You it guys, sounds like a ringtone that you have to wake up to that you yeah, don't want to. Okay, this is important. This is an important part of music history. I'm going to teach Megan Trainer about music history. Oh my history. god, he doesn't even know how to lip sync. The fake horns on the keyboard. So trippy. So he's lip syncing someone else. Yeah, it's probably like a white boy somewhere. I don't know. They're singing though. Okay, so this is going to get us kicked off the internet or whatever. Um, Millie, I know, will this kill us? Will no, kill no, me? they'll put up a thing and we'll figure it out. I would love to get sued by this. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? It's just like, like, the, like, who is that guy? The guy living in, like, in a apartment We're trying to show how awesome he is. <laughs> Do you guys need to borrow money from me to sue me, guys? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be sad. But All of this is sad. Blame it on the rain, that was a big deal. And it was like, it was kind of like the first break, like post-modern, post-modern break in media. Because it was like, all of a sudden we saw how the sausage was made. It was like someone <laughs> else sang a song. Yeah, they're like, what? Someone else sang it. Holy fuck, we were tricked. We were tricked. By this music industry. Yes. Hoodwinked us. Yes. Never heard that, but that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. We're going to come back to this because I want to talk about the smoke and mirrors of the music business. Yes. So the guests, the host, and the show can all be found on Twitter, as can Fab Morvan, the surviving member of Millie Vanilli, who has quite a tale to tell, actually. And I invite you to look into that. His name is spelled F-A-B, Fab, and then Morvan, M-O-R-V-A-N. And you could find Good For You Pod on its own website, just goodforyoupod.com. And here we are again, together at the end of the show, wondering what the future will bring. Well, 
there are more soundcasts out there to listen to and share with you, for one thing. If all goes well, COVID-19 will be eradicated, or at the very least manageable, treatable, preventable, rather than what it seems to be, which is inevitable. It is the Xmas season right now, as anyone with an active radio can't avoid noticing. So many holiday tunes out there. Many people don't know this, but I actually wrote a Christmas song called For Christmas way back in 2014 for a charity Christmas album put together by Ethan Detmeyer of Combat Radio. It has lyrics, but so far only the instrumental has been produced and distributed. It's a long story as to why the lyrics were never recorded, mostly having to do with technical limitations on the part of the producer, uh, me. Well, I guess that isn't really a long story per se. Anyway, the song is still available in the form it currently exists in, and I'll provide a link for the blog at www.succotashshow.com. By the way, Succotash is S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H-S-H-O-W. Succotash Show. I do think it is about time I recorded a version with words. But then everything is about time, isn't it? Okay, maybe not everything. You can also check out the show archive at that same web address to find all the episodes throughout the years presenting what has to be around a thousand different soundcasts from various places around the world and the internet as we know or knew it. Maybe you are in the archive. Maybe you will be someday. Who knows? In the meantime, we can always use your help in the form of rating and reviewing the show, and also sharing the show. Because sharing is caring. Unless it's COVID-19, don't share that. But sharing us is what we mean when we gently ask you to please... Pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash Shut In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package, with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants, TrumPoetry.com, and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on the <laughs> laughable app, and tattooed on your mother's rear end. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at T-Y-S-O-N at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. The you can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcast directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash U slash Succotash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is still Kenny Durgis. And until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please wash your hands and pass the Succotash. Goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.